Welcome to Olim in Tel Aviv. My name is Ariel. This is my cousin Micha. Join us as we discuss different topics from fatherhood to politics as immigrants in this quirky and amazing country. So, <laughs> I woke up and then uh, I get this message. I obviously respond to it and was, I was like, yeah, sure, let's, let's go to the beach. You know, it's always fun, especially in the morning hours uh, in the summer when it's so ridiculously hot. Uh, anyway, and so I told my friend, so, okay, whatever beach you want, yeah, let's do it. And then he writes me, so let's, uh, you know what, this time let's leave Tel Aviv and uh, go northern beaches a little bit. Um, I was like, sure, why not? You know, we can take my car, your car, whatever it is. And then he told me, is this a good friend? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new friend. New friend. Um, Fairly new friend. Um, So, and we we get in the car. uh, And so I drive to him, uh, pick him up. And... uh, he t- so I tell him, so where are we going? Right? And he's like, uh, drive to Gash and we'll, we'll go there. And I was like, okay, Gash, I mean, that's north, north of Tel Aviv, you know, uh, north of Herzliya. Uh, there's Arsuf and Shweim and all these uh, wonderful places. Um, so we drive. It's about 35 minutes drive. And then, you know, you go the dirt road. Um, there used to be a golf course, uh, uh, one of the two that then existed, now only one, I think, in Israel exists uh, in Kisaria. Uh, anyway, so we go down this uh, very beautiful dirt road, and on the right side there's like orchards from, for, for uh, uh, mangoes, and uh, you go around a little further, and then there's a fence. And you only see greenery behind the fence, it goes up, and then you know, after that, there, there's the, the beach, uh, the Mediterranean. Is there a cliff and, over there, or is it? Yeah, there, there, there's a the huge cliff. There's actually a huge cliff. Right. Yeah. Um, but on top of the cliff, everything's green, like it's, uh, uh, which is actually very, very beautiful. I mean, it could, yeah, I did uh, a, when I was like ten or eleven. I was in summer camp in Kibbutz Gash. So, so uh, I have yeah. a feeling I know where this is going. Yeah, I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's uh, it's it's, uh, it's exciting. It was great. So so we take uh, another road north, uh, also dirt road, and then all of a sudden there's a little. I wouldn't say even door, but an opening in the fence. Um, it's quite narrow, so I would have to like scoop through sideways, <laughs> right? Is this an illegal beach? No, it's not. <laughs> What's an illegal beach anyway? But uh, private, I guess. Yeah, and it's not. Um, <laughs> there's no matter. It's clearly an opening that has been uh, constructed. It's not oh, someone. It's, constructed? it's so not someone opening with like I don't know uh, uh, cable cutters. It just happens to be that thin. Yeah, um, so for whatever reason, I mean, we could probably come up with it. And then there is a sign from the Israel Trail, because it turns out the Israel Trail goes by there as well, over the cliffs, I guess, and through the, <laughs> national, uh, through the nature park, uh, the reserve that is there. Uh, so we walk a couple of meters to, to that uh, uh, very lovely path, and then you're on top of a cliff. And there are, about, there are two ways now to the cliff, to the beach. One is very steep, and, uh, you know, we stand up there, and all of a sudden, uh, a man comes up, you know, comes high, completely exhausted, you know, he's like, <laughs> he's in flip-flops and a tank top, and just breathing heavily, and uh, so I ask him, uh, so, how do we go down? And he says, very slowly, right? He, he was exhausted. <laughs> it was very early in the morning, it was, uh, it was 9.30 at that point, 
um, which for a weekend is quite early to be already outside of the city. Right? So uh, there was other path a little longer, but we, we took it uh, much easier to, to walk down to. And then we get to this wonderful, beautiful, uh, quite pristine, uh, actually, beach, uh, um, almost no people, where we came out of the cliffs, right, at the, the beach. Um, and then we were like, okay, north or south? Which way are we going? And he said, no, we go south a little bit. Um, so we walked, and all of a sudden you, you start seeing like uh, little tents up and uh, some shade, some constructions for, for shade uh, for individuals and, uh, and couples and uh, small groups. And the best thing about the speeches, it's the nudist. So everyone, <laughs> everyone's pretty much naked. Um, pretty, pretty much naked. Yeah, well, there were people lying on uh, on their bellies, and uh, you know, that's, that's uh, naked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, obviously, the, the, no one's really in the water, only very briefly, because there's still uh, jellyfish season here, so people try to avoid uh, the jellyfish. Um, but you saw a little of them uh, on the beach, washed up. Um, so we found a spot, uh, and I have this little tent thing, so we put that up. Uh, a little bit, and then enjoyed uh, our nudity uh, at the beach. Just to have to put sunscreen, you know, in all the appropriate places. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, in Israel, you have to go uh, really far away for nudist beaches, right? In Europe, uh, where I grew, grew up mostly, um, and also and in Germany particularly, not even on the beaches, but just right, in a regular like, sauna, yeah. spa, or whatever, or park, by the way, uh, you can be naked uh, and be proud of you. But in, in Germany, let's say in a park, any public park, you can lie down naked. Really? Not allowed to stand up naked. Wow, interesting. Uh, yeah. Like so, in a regular grass park? Yeah. You in, the just, middle, in the middle of Frankfurt, you just, you know, there's a strip. And just people are just lying down naked. Well, there are some, especially topless. I mean, uh, completely naked. That's, uh, you don't see that often, but it happens. And you can do it. Just don't stand up naked, because that might arouse the public and you know, lead to whatever. Um, so as long as you keep it private and lie down, you're not allowed to have sexual intercourse. I mean, that does happen at gosh beaches at that point. So uh, okay, interesting. I have not seen it this time around. Um, but... Uh, it, it was a fantastic uh, experience again, I have to say. You know, it's, uh, it's so liberating. Because it's so interesting because just culturally, I mean, from multiple standpoints, <laughs> just like, let's just say from American, like, I'm, in sh I'm shocked when I see uh, like topless people on the beach. I remember when I was walking in Australia and Sydney and most people are clothed, but there's just one like person just lying down topless on the beach uh, woman I mean I've been on topless on the beach is pretty normal uh, and I was just like okay like that's not considered inappropriate or whatever it was and I I guess this is you know I hear about hear about that in European uh, countries as well but it's just like a very different you know culture aspect, especially like fully naked and then also topless so topless I could like there's definitely movements in the US like uh, the free the nipple uh, conversations but uh, yeah it's 
don't know. It's interesting to me. I don't know why. Because I don't know if I would, I would feel so liberated and comfortable. Yeah, I do. Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, so I'm. Uh, so I always I do ask my question regularly. Actually, how do I approach this with my children? Um, being a father, not only uh, in in Tel Aviv. Uh, but uh, also, you know, coming, I have my own personal background from Germany and uh, this very uh, open and liberated, uh, I guess, uh, approach to, to your body. Uh, uh, so how do I negotiate that? Because at times, you know, uh, in a private, private pool, you know, uh, my kids go naked. Right. Which, I, you know, I see that with kids. Even even in the U.S., you see like kids just jumping in naked, right, or on the beach. Um, you you know, I think in Israel you'll see like the public fountains. So like at the Namal, there's this like mm. water fountains. So right. There's a lot of naked kids there. I I don't remember seeing so many kids in the nude in, in the U.S. running around. I feel like it's people are very scared of you know bad actors, let's say. And so in the U.S., it's just mm. like. It, it's always, always on the public conscious, so you don't really have your kids running around naked in public spaces. But would you assume that uh, a pedophile would care if the kid is naked or not? I guess we do. <laughs> we as Americans, yes. <laughs> because I would assume that a person that, you know, is, uh, wants to act upon these kind of urges does that with, you know, regardless. I, I, yeah, I mean, I can't pretend to know yeah, the mind no, of, of a pedophile. No, but, but I'm saying the thing is that, you know, I, I think if people are voyeurs, they're like watching. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's that discussion about uh, also if the, if you're, you're showing your body or your beauty or whatever you want to define it, uh, is a cause for bad behavior on a third person. Right, yeah, so that's yeah. a big that's a big issue, and in Germany they obviously decided that it's not. So it's it's really interesting because obviously that I think one of our first conversations uh, here was uh, about Sneut. exactly and modesty, um, and I don't, you know, yeah, I don't. I would definitely not blame someone who's expressing themselves in a certain way, mm -hmm. but there are definitely cultural norms associated with what you wear with you don't wear. So. If it's culturally normative for everyone, like kids to go to the fountain, the public fountain, naked, like I don't think anyone would bat an eye if that happened, um, obviously. And so here, like when my kid wants to go to the fountain and she's like, here, just take all my clothes and I'm going to run to the fountain naked, like I don't care because every kid does that. Hmm. Obviously, if there's like, you know, you have to teach kids not to touch each other, like inappropriately, right. that's very important. And kids don't realize it, you know, and they're mm. kids, it's not, there's no intentions behind the actions, it's more yeah. just like, you have to know what there's boundaries, like this is, you know, that's private. Mm. Um, yeah, but there's a difference between private as in, you know, don't uh, touch inappropriately, and in uh, being confident in your own body, and not being ashamed of any part of your body. So how do you so, negotiate you know, that I don't that, think you need line. to be naked to show that you're not ashamed or to be confident in your body. No, but I see, I see this happening in first grade for my son. You know? Okay. So there are kids that come to this home and when we go up to the pool and some will undress in the living room and then put on the bathing suit 
right? Just like that. And some will go into a room or in the bathroom and do that there. And then very distinctly say, don't come in while they're changing, right? And they're all seven-year-olds, more or right. less, right? Um, so because there is this aspect of shame already, and I don't, I don't it, get it. You know, I, I mean, obviously, you could probably tell by the situation whether or not it's shame yeah. or just wanting privacy. Because yeah. I know that Ed then asks for privacy sometimes when she mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I don't want to change here. People are looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see it as a shame thing. Mm-hmm. I see it as like, you know, I've told her I want to change in privacy, and so she wants to change in privacy too. Right. Yeah, that it's makes more sense. Of like being an adult. Um, oh, so you have to negotiate that. Uh, right. It's, but I, I don't think of it. I mean, I hope I'm not teaching her to be, um, you know, non confident. She's very confident. I think. <laughs> That's yeah, she, why she's, she's a confident all, all the way she's around. So, uh, you know, I don't think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that, but you know those types of situations. Obviously, it has to do with parenting, right? You know, those weight is a big thing, especially when you're talking in cities and growing up kids, especially with the snacks and mm-hmm. everything that's going around, and kids who aren't as active as other kids. So, depending on how the parent communicates their, let's say, concern about their kid's weight, that could make a kid shame. Uh, shameful. I'm very. Mm. Careful never to, I mean, you know. I agree. Try to phrase things in a way that talks about the body in that way, right? Mm. It's like, you know, you want to grow up, you want to be healthy. I say that, mm. but uh, I would never say anything about weight or body shape. Right. Especially when body shape is so uncontrolled. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, yeah, it really is. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that is very difficult to negotiate and, uh, yeah. and really trying to be... But back to your question, uh, I, I don't think you need to be comfortable outside naked because I do believe in not necessarily shame, but you know, I think they're, I would call it self-respect in a certain amount. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously if you're going to a nude beach, I don't think anyone's lacking self-respect going to a nude beach, but like, it's just not, I don't know. I wouldn't go to a nude beach just because it's not the image of myself that, right. I, I, it, it's it's interesting. I, I believe it does come from like the fact that I consider myself as a religious person. Mm. That there's a certain amount of things that I well, go naked in the mikveh. R- because so you have to. So uh, right, but so it's still interesting. people looking. So that, I do find that interesting. So when I go to, I went to a men's mikveh before. Um, I do. I, I do feel weird that like I'm in line with a bunch of other guys. Everyone's naked, trying to dip in the same pool. Besides mm-hmm. for the hygienic aspect of that pool, <laughs> men's mikvahs are very different than women's mikvah that way. Uh, <laughs> yes, but yeah, no, it was uncomfortable. And so, like the next time I went, I went when it was at a quieter hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know because if you grow up, let's say in a community where all the men are going to mikvah every morning, you don't have that same like like it's normal. It's in that setting. That yeah, it's right. normal in that setting. And then, you know, I've, I've definitely gotten naked in front of my friends to go to the mikvah or things like that. But it's different than, you know, doing it in a mikvah for a specific purpose than, I guess, going to the beach. I know. Oh, I that's a, a, this is food for it thought. Is, yeah, this it is. is like, it? It's very interesting. What, what the adver- adversity to going to... Listen, I was part of a sports team for all my youth. Right. Team. Team sports. And you sweat and you get dirty. I mean, we played soccer or basketball, but it's in soccer, you know, we were muddy and everything. 
And after every game, there were showers, and everyone we would all go shower together. And everyone was naked. I mean, it was you know. Yeah, but also that doesn't, for some reason, because like showers, mikvah, even the spa, like, mm-hmm. like I went to like go to a bathhouse. I don't mind getting naked there. Mm-hmm. So that's something very European, because you know when I go in the sauna, for instance, in Germany, everyone's naked, and it's mixed. Right. By the way, it's not. Yeah, so I wonder if it's the mixed aspect that okay. gets to me. Oh, it's fascinating. Now, there you go. I, you know, and I always felt, uh, because I grew up, I guess, in Germany with the saunas uh, around, and I very much enjoy going, is that at least what I experience in, in, in these settings, it's completely asexual. It's really only about, you know, health and everyone's really taking care of, of themselves. And, uh, you know, there isn't much conversation going on, or it's not like people are staring at one another. Okay, so that's the thing. I, I, I wonder, because definitely within the religious community, mm-hmm. we definitely sexualize the opposite sex. Like, a lot. Yeah, and yeah. when we focus more and more on the modesty aspects, there is a, almost a hypersexualization mm-hmm. where any interaction becomes very sexual. Mm-hmm. Whether, I mean, not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. Um, and I think America also, the conversations are around gender I don't know I don't mean gender like gender identity but like uh, mm. opposite sex it, it is very sexualized also right even in the US um, I mean even secular um, conversation so I wonder if that's why mm. because it is I can't really separate like nudist speech from I can't like say like nudist speech asexual experience Okay. Or like I can. Yeah. So that, I think that's maybe that's what it is. Interesting. Because yeah. I, I think it's there's this like oh it's new to speech. There's like people uh-huh. get to ogle at. That's weird. Like, no, because like, that's not what you do exactly, right? Right. So I think for the experience, if you say maybe this is just a very small the area that I came from, but like I think that idea of going to a new to speech is very much in that vein. Like, you know, I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about the movies you grew up with, like. Euro trip. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. <laughs> no. But it's like the American, like post high school kids, like really want to go to a nudist beach in Europe because they want to see the babes. <laughs> and, but that's like very much the American <laughs> culture. Exactly. Of, okay. Know, that movie's very funny, by the way. <laughs> they all wanted to go to the nudist beach, but this other, the, the nerd guy in the group was like, I don't want to go to the nudist beach. I want to go to this like uh, famous statue. Right. And it seems during the summer, all the, the hot women at the beach actually go to the famous statue <laughs> we go and, and sunbathe. <laughs> and that was like the joke in the end. But the way also they depicted the European men is that they were also looking for babes. Interesting. Okay. But I, I definitely think that's just... And then American. again, you know, you look at the, these classic statues, they're all naked. <laughs> yeah. Well, <it's, laughs> There's nudity everywhere. Well, that's a whole other conversation yeah. about the, and the Greek, uh, yeah. Greek uh, culture and virtues. Arite, which is the uh, term for, I think it was like male, male beauty, but it meant almost the naked, you know, naked male beauty, right. um, which is like, considered an ideal. That's why all women's statues, actually, Greek statues of women are all clothed because they thought the female body was less perfect. The only time you see a, a breast showing is usually when it's referring to an Amazonian warrior. 
and you'll see a slit on the side of the breast, which is referencing the fact that they used to, or they claim that the Amazonian women um, cut off their breasts so they could shoot the bow and arrow better. Yeah, fun facts, art yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but it is fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, but yeah, you usually don't see it until later. Like, um, mm. like I think of like the Venus statue of Aphrodite. There's a, a naked right. statue, but that was also for... They used it during pagan practice. So let's just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so I think it's very deeply rooted also in uh, in European culture to have... Uh, right, so, okay, now I'm understanding why, because the mikvah, right, mm-hmm. is a very asexual experience. And so there's no... there's a, And so is the spa, like mm-hmm. going to an all-guy spa. It's a very asexual experience. Once you mix it, it becomes a, at least in my American mind, becomes a... It has more pressure... In, uh, what's mm-hmm. the word? tension there's, okay. a, there's a tension there you feel a sexual like, tension okay interesting yeah because you know it's uh it's not something i experience and i wonder how i how i pass that on right uh how i can pass on the idea that not every naked woman or anything that shows maybe uh, partial uh, nudity uh is a sexual situation or needs to be thought of as sexually charged in any in any level um, and I think in, in the long like uh, extending that I think it'll go it'll somehow connect to having friendships yeah, I just that are challenge, not I want to challenge it a little bit yeah please do do you really do you really feel yeah. it completely, completely non no sexual tension no it's on a like nudist complete, beach yeah no nothing no Nothing. Okay. That's just like, and it's very hard to relate to. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like, you know, I could, I, get, I do relate to it in the sense that, like when I first studied, first studied art. No, I tell you what, sorry, I'm, I'm going to interject yes, here. Yes, please. Because I think that, let's say, a bar or a club are a much more sexual place than... Yeah, because you're actually there to meet someone, maybe. Exactly. So that's, you know, so... I guess, yeah, I guess. It really has to do with what your intentions are. Right, which goes back to that Eurotrip movie. <laughs> <laughs> Their intention is to find babes. <laughs> Not even find babes. Yeah, see the babes. Um, it's only seeing even, I mean, come on. Yeah. Seeing. Seeing the babes, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> like, you know, when you study art, there's a lot of nudity in art. I guess in the beginning it was a little uncomfortable, but I don't even remember that at, at this point. But it's definitely not like a... There's nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, the art depiction of the bodies is different ways to depict the body. So it's, I, I, I see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I guess I come, it's, I guess it has to do with exposure. But now the point, that, now the question is, what is the value of me to expose myself until, <laughs> until those things? And I, I just, I, I don't see that, conver- like, it's like, I can't imagine that conversation like at home. It's just like, hey, let's go to an, a nudist beach just to like desensitize ourselves. <laughs> I just don't see that conversation going well. And I also, it's just like, it's not on my priority list. No, it's it, fine. There is a comfort, I already have like, I'm very comfortable in my body. Right. Uh, and so I don't really see the, the value for me hmm. at this point. But also like, I don't know how comfortable or happy, like, again, 
like how happy I would be if my kid did something like my kid's going to do what they want in their life but like I don't see it as I want my 100% I want my child to be comfortable in their body and exactly have, that's, have what, that's, that's also I don't my main see need the ability to go to a nudist beach uh, without any sexual tension as one of the <laughs> criteria <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, uh, I will add that it is one of the more beautiful beaches around. Right, the beach actually is the most enticing piece of this. Yes, because I've been to the I guess the northern part, which mm. is not nudist. No, the more you go, because I don't remember there being anyone else besides the camper kids when I was there. No, it's here. mostly from Shwaim towards Gash, like that. Yeah, part. I just remember the beach being like under these massive cliffs and right. just beautiful area. Yeah, I mean. Israel beaches, long white beaches. They love the sand, but uh, so it's you know, <laughs> it's been a it's been a very spontaneous, uh, very spontaneous uh, thing to do on that Shabbat, and it was uh, oh, it was exciting. I had a good time. We got back home around twelve because you know it's getting way too hot. Can't be outside in, uh, almost at any time. I tried to run. The moment it hits eight o'clock in the morning, that's pretty much it. Um, so. Uh, you know, to, to circle back and uh, to close that loop, what I so much enjoy also about living here is the spontaneity of people just to say, hey, you don't want to do this now, like now, now, and you just, yeah, and people just go for it. So, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but the spontaneity, I find that in business, that's like where all the cool opportunities happen, especially like more so in Tel Aviv and Israel mm-hmm. um, than anywhere else. Because everyone's doing something that's interesting in some way or another, or and people are just connecting and talking, and then you know you hear someone's like working on some sort of project or has some sort of skill, and you're like, hey, you know, let's chat. Well, you know, had coffee with a friend, and just like just telling about what I think the next thing is going to be, and the mm-hmm. next thing I know, he put me in touch with this person, that person, that person, and then that's a right. you know that's an opportunity, um, okay. and so it's very I, healthy, I think. Yeah, so I, the spontaneity here, I think, is um, goes all around. I think it's part of the culture. You think it is? It, it, it's it's I think, interesting. You know, I I think if you're if you're aware of it, it's I, I don't know. It mm-hmm. happens. Is it part of the culture? I want to say it is mm-hmm. because I really enjoyed here. But then again, I was very spontaneous in New York too. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I try to instill that into my children too, because my my son very much likes knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, every day of the week. When I was a kid, I was very yeah. much like, you know, all my books had to be in the order on the shelf type of thing. Right. You needed to know what was going to happen that day. Yeah. And right. so I'm trying to instill into him that, you know, it's good to have no plan also. It's also fine. And, you know, just wing it. I mean, we, just, we might wake up and then want to do this or that or something comes up. Usually something does. Yeah. Um, so that's still something we're working on. Not, it's not very. It's actually quite difficult for my son. Really, well, yeah. a certain age, I think, is easier to approach that. I think in childhood, mm-hmm. especially when things are, you know, not as structured yeah. in certain ways, then having that structure is is comforting. I yeah. think once you get to a certain age where you, you know, you can become more flexible in that. Just for my, just trying to like review my own childhood, yeah. like I. Definitely, I remember having a panic attack. <laughs> this is like it's so ridiculous thinking about it. 
I must have been my seventh year old birthday party or something very young. And I had relay races. And I planned out every single relay race that was going to happen at this All party. Right. And everyone was having fun. And then my parents threw in a surprise relay race where we had to run wearing my dad's clothes. <laughs> my dad's a big guy. And we were like little tiny kids. And everyone thought it was so much fun. It was so funny and trying to run my dad's clothes. And I was screaming and crying. I didn't plan this. What are you doing? You're ruining everything. Obviously, like everyone's having a good time. And I, I just like... You couldn't take but it. I, but I remember that. I remember, I remember how upset I was. And how I was just crying and screaming. Wow. Obviously, thinking back, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Um, but it had a, uh, quite an impact, so, you know, still remembering it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, uh, my caution, I caution you to push that too much at a young age. Cause I was, no, it's I was not about pushing it, right? age. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not about pushing it, but it's trying <laughs> to instill it. And, you know, obviously, there are many people that uh, prefer to not have any spontaneity or free, you know, free time of thinking at all, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's a conversation that keeps on coming about institutionalized religions, right, uh, that take away a lot of that spontaneity and try to make sure everything's in order for, uh, in a certain way, for, uh, uh, for most of the day and for most of the week and for most of the year. It's interesting because I always see... The struck, well, I'll talk about Judaism specifically, is that what I love about it is the fact that it has the structure aspect and then the dynamic aspect. Mm -hmm. And so you have, like, obviously there's a strict calendar, but then the modes of expression of Judaism is very variable. And so the spontaneity in the, the expression is where that exists. You mm -hmm. have, it has that balance of both. I, I really appreciate it. Um, obviously one has to engage with it right. in a serious way to be able to experience it and if you just kind of flow through the calendar that you never really experience that expression you really just like oh it's that time and you kind of go through the motions so by engaging with it you're able mm -hmm. to experience that I think it's a conversation for another time though it is and I'm happy to have it and uh, how we can bring that to a more widespread uh, uh, acceptance way of living consciousness